this morning we have a really big chunk of scripture that we're covering. We're in the book of Acts. If you want to turn there or we'll have the verses on the screen this morning, but uh, we, are, we are covering chapter 6, verse 8, and going all the way through um, chapter 7. Uh, we've been talking a good bit over the last several weeks about the increasing pressure on the first church. Uh, last week, we talked about some of that pressure being within the church, things going on in the church that was uh, really, a, and this a church and a lot of increasing pressure on the church from within the church. And, and this week, we, we go again to pressure from uh, outside of the church. There was a lot of pressure from outside of the church, and really um, what, what we have called pressure from outside of the church is, is quickly moving to uh, very intense persecution against the church. Uh, so let's pray this morning. We are, we are looking at uh, the stoning of Stephen, um, beginning in chapter 6, verse 8. And I hope that what we see this morning in the end is that Jesus is better. That's where we're going. Jesus is better. Um, but I, I want to ask you to pray with me as we cover this big chunk of Scripture, uh, that the Holy Spirit would be good to us. And my desire this morning is to lift up Jesus um, and my desire is that we all see him and um, are awed by him and his glory. Uh, so let's pray along those lines. And if, if you're not concerned that that's for you, um, that you have no problem seeing him in all of his gl glory, pray that for the people around you, okay? Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, Jesus. Thank you for uh, the gift that he is to us. Thank you for this people, the people who are serving right now, who have been serving this morning. Thank you for your grace to New City through so many people. Uh, Father, we, we, my desire this morning uh, is that Christ would continue as he has already in the music and liturgy been lifted up. Uh, Father, my desire is that Christ be lifted up as we, as we look at these verses this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus and that we would truly see that Jesus is better. And Father, my, my prayer is that for, for myself, for all of us, that we would not only see and just acknowledge that Jesus is better, but help us to truly believe with all of our heart and with all of our soul that Jesus is better. We love you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, um, so last week we, we left off in chapter 6, verse 7, and there was an appointment of leaders in the church. The leadership team of the church was, was growing, um, and in uh, verse 5, we, we saw Stephen, and we were given a brief description of him. So I want to I read verse 5, and then we'll move into um, the next verses, beginning in verse 8. But verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Right? And now we keep going, and we see Stephen, right, first appointed as a leader, and now Stephen the accused, verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, 
and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of the Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. And they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Man, so Stephen, um, what, what, what incredible things to, to have written about you and to be known, known for. Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, we read last week, and now this week, Stephen, full of grace and power. I love that. If you remember, as we were talking last week about the addition of these new leaders, um, Stephen was one of them, and what we see here is that Stephen, as one of these appointed leaders, is, is out in the community, out in their city, and, and he is doing the same things that we've been talking about the, the apostles doing, signs and wonders and teaching about Jesus. Now, I want to I pause here and remind you of something that we'll probably do uh, throughout the book of Acts, but I want to remind you of the church's prayer when persecution, 4, verses 29 and 30, they prayed, God, like after persecution and arrest, God, you keep doing the signs and wonders. You keep making these crowds and give us the courage, the boldness to keep talking to people about Jesus. That was their prayer. In verse 9, verse 9 says, Some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. Now, we don't know a lot about the synagogue of the freedmen. It could have been a single synagogue or it could have been a, a group of synagogues established by the Hellenist Jews who had moved away from Jerusalem, been dispersed, and now moved back to Jerusalem and they built their own synagogues. Stephen is a Hellenist. He's one who had adopted the Greek culture and the Greek language. Um, and Stephen was going to these Hellenist synagogues. Those were the people that he knew, right? Those were, those were his people. So he is going to the Hellenist synagogues, and he's telling the people that he meets there all about Jesus, Jesus who is the promised one. And that was the problem, right? The same problem as Paul and the other apostles were going to the synagogue, and they were preaching about Jesus as well. The leaders opposed him. Verse 10 said, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. God was with Stephen. God was with Stephen. He was full of the spirit, and they could not, they could not contradict what Stephen was saying. So the religious leaders, unable to stop the message of Stephen and the power of, of the Spirit, they secretly began to stir the people against Stephen. 
They made false claims against him, right? Just like they did against Jesus, just like they did against the other apostles. They make false claims, they seize him, they arrest him, they bring him before the council, they have false witnesses testifying against him, and the three main areas that they are saying um, that he is committing blasphemy is blasphemy against the temple, against the law, and against Moses. So they turn then to Stephen, as they would in any trial, right? This is a trial. They bring the charges against him. They have all of these false witnesses who are testifying against him. They're lying against him. They're taking the words of Jesus out of context. They are making their accusations, and they turn to Stephen for Stephen to give his defense. Chapter 7, verse 1, the high priest asks, Is this true? And Stephen gets to answer the accusers. When he does, the accusers become the accused, right? Stephen flips this back to them. Stephen is going to answer his accusers with a history lesson. Stephen knew his history. He walks them through um, Israel's part in God's big story. And we talk about this a lot at New City. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Israel is not the story. Israel is a part of God's big story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And, and, and Stephen knew God's big story, and he knew Israel's part in it. And so he walks them through the, the, the history, their history, God's history. But as he does it, what he does is shows them that he has a better understanding of their history than they do. Right, starting with, with, with first the father of their nation, Abraham. Chapter 7, verse 2. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that this offspring would be that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham became the father of Isaac. And circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. So Stephen is starting with Abraham because that's where God started with this nation, Israel. He's showing that he understands his people's history. But I think more than that, more than just saying like, yeah, I hear your charges, here's, here's our story, let me tell our story. I, I think too he may be showing that God has worked in and with and even through his people even before there was a temple, even before there was a land. God doesn't need a physical nation, a land, or a structure in order to walk with his people. God called Abraham and, and moved in his life and in his circumstances outside of the temple, outside of the land. And, and, and he did this in order to make for himself a people through Abraham and his descendants. 
So he continues the story with Abraham's immediate descendants leading up to Joseph. Joseph, verse 9. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all the afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great afflictions and our father our fathers could find no food but when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt he sent our fathers on their first visit and on the second visit Joseph made himself known to his brothers and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh and Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. Now, the story here begins to get really interesting, and it begins to get really personal. Stephen moves the story from Abraham and his immediate descendants to Joseph. And, and, and what we see of Joseph and what they would have seen in this version of the story, which is, is a, a perfectly true version, shortened version of the story, uh, in this story of Joseph, they would have, 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 have been reminded uh, of his rejection. That, that's that's what, what, they're, what he's showing here is the rejection of Joseph who was sold into slavery. His brothers, the patriarchs, right, that the 12 tribes were, were, were named after, his, his brothers sold him into slavery. His brothers rejected him. They thought for sure as they sold him into slavery that, that he was gone from the family and as good as dead. The patriarchs, listen to me, the patriarchs rejected God's chosen son. Joseph had been chosen by God, and they rejected Joseph, God's chosen son. Yet it was, it was still into a nation, son, that God would save his people and ultimately grow them into a nation. And then there is Moses, verse 17. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and his deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Let me read that again. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? 
But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of the fire, a fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, this Moses, whom they rejected, who made, you a, who made you a ruler and a judge, this man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. That was a prophecy about Jesus. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside in their hearts, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out here from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned uh, them away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of prophets, did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your God, Rephon, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Now, this one is full. I know that was a long section. Thanks for sticking with me on it. This one is full. The, the accusers said that Stephen was trying to do away with their customs and with the law and, and, and Moses. And Stephen says, wait, wait, wait. Moses, I'll tell you about Moses. I know the incredible story of Moses. Moses, Moses, I know and value. I mean, you can hear it in the words that, that Stephen spoke. Moses, I know and I value. Here is the truth of our story with Moses. Moses was chosen by God to deliver our people out of bondage. He led them with many signs and many wonders. Verse 25 says, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not. They did not. They rejected Moses, the chosen deliverer of his people. And, and when he delivered even the law, the very law that they loved, when he delivered the law, they rejected him and they rejected the law with him. They rejected God. And they cried out to, to go back to Egypt. This, this Moses who performed signs and wonders 
This Moses, who God revealed himself to, this, this Moses who was sent to redeem God's people from slavery, this Moses, verse 37, who prophesied of the prophet to come, who received the very words of God, this Moses, our people refused to obey. I know this Moses, and and Stephen is saying, I have neither rejected him nor have I refused him nor the law. But I know this people also, Stephen is saying, this people who chose to form a golden calf instead of following God, the God who gave them freedom and promised them a land. So what he's saying again is he's telling the history. He's reminding him, yes, I I know the beauty of Moses. I I, I know how God worked with Moses. I know what God did through Moses in freeing our people and giving us the law. And I know our people. Our people rejected our Redeemer. Our people rejected the one who was sent to save us. Now he turns to the temple. Verse 44, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in, um, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is this place of my rest? Did not my hand make all of these things? I know the temple, Stephen is saying. I I, I know its beautiful beginnings. I, I know it is the place where for a time God dwelt with his people. But I I know as well the most high God. And I know that the most high God does not dwell in houses built by human hands, not even our beautiful temple. God was with his people before the temple and God is with us now. God is greater than any temple that we could ever possibly build. And then he turns all of this to clarity as he offers a summary. Verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And Stephen is saying to them, don't don't you see? You, you, You are living just as our fathers have lived. You are rejecting the Holy Spirit just as they rejected the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Man, that is bold. This is what they prayed for. God, you continue to do signs and wonders and give us the boldness to speak of Jesus. 
And here is Stephen doing signs and wonders. People are gathering, and he's talking about Jesus. Arrested. He, he, he is arrested. And, 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 and here, in all boldness, he lays it all out on the line. You accuse me today, but it is you who, like our forefathers, refuse to follow God. You stiff-necked people. You hard-hearted people. You resist the Holy Spirit just as our fathers did. They killed the prophets who told of the coming righteous one, and now you have killed him, the righteous one who came. You have betrayed and murdered the promised son. You who received the law and the prophets stand guilty. Verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And with this, the church has its first known martyr. Stephen is murdered. In a rage, they interrupted Stephen as he gave his defense. They ended this trial completely illegally. They wrongly judged him. They didn't allow him to finish his defense. They took him to the city gates, and they stoned him to death. Again, we see the power and the presence of the Spirit in these moments. Stephen at complete peace. God even gave Stephen a vision of Jesus standing in heaven, waiting at the right hand of God to receive Stephen there. And even as the stones began to crush him, falling to his knees and with a loud voice, he asked the Father for mercy on the very men who were murdering him. I want to point out two quick things here, and then I want to close by, by... talking about how Stephen may have finished his sermon if he had had a chance. Two quick things here. One is this. When we, when we come to a passage like this, we, we, we need to think about our theology. There's a terrible myth out there that says that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Y'all, Stephen was a good man. As far as humans go, Stephen was a good man. He was a man full of faith. And I, I hope, you know, one day people would look back at me and say, man, that was a guy who was full of faith. And that's what they said of Stephen. He was a man full of faith. He was a man full of the Spirit. And it's repeated. Those things are repeated about Stephen. He was a, he was a good man who believed in God who did all that he could to follow God. He believed the gospel. He believed that Jesus was indeed the promised one. He served the Father. 
He served the Father. He served the Son by serving the church, by being the missionary that Jesus had called the disciples to be, by telling others about Jesus. He served the Father. He served the Son. He served his people, and yet he was murdered. This is the result of living in a broken world. The world that we live in is broken, and the world that we live in is cursed, and we are surrounded by broken, fallen people. We ourselves broken and fallen. We're surrounded in a, in a world with other broken, fallen men, some who are, who are filled with sin. God did not punish Stephen. Fallen men did that, men filled with sin. The truth is, good things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. And the Bible is filled with those stories. The truth is, bad things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. God never promised us anything different than that in the world. Right? And, and how many of us, how many of us, as soon as something bad happens in our life, we think that God is angry with us. We think that we've done something and God is somehow offended and is punishing us. It's possible that, that God punishes. He does still punish. Now, if you're a child of God, I want you to know this. If you're a child of God, if you trust in Jesus and you love and follow him, God is not punishing you. Jesus was punished for you. He may discipline you to shape your life and, and, and to help you walk with him as you should, but God doesn't punish you. And, and, and know that, that, that that's just bad theology. It's, it's the theology that we've learned growing up in our broken world, even in our religious broken world. Just like Stephen's religious broken world. God never promised good things will happen to you guys if you are good. And bad things will happen to you if you are bad. He, he did promise something different. There is, there is an, another, another myth, and then we'll talk about those promises, but, but there is a myth that God never gives us more than we can handle. How many of you have heard that one before? Amen? How many of you have said that one? No, nobody wanted to admit that, did you? God will never give you more than you can handle. Y'all, Stephen was bashed with stones. That was more than Stephen could handle. It was a horrible, bloody death. But here's what God did promise. With, with the bad things, with the good things... With, with a load that is too much for us to carry, God did promise this. He promised, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And, and he didn't. He, he didn't leave or forsake Stephen through it all. From the start of, of the persecution with his arrest to the final breath that he took and then forevermore. God even opened the heavens so Stephen could see the Son at the right hand of the Father waiting to receive him. 
God also promised, right, in the good things, in the bad things, in, in, the, in the heavy things of life, the things too heavy for us to carry, he promised that he is working all things together for good for those who love him, and he is. Stephen saw the good that very day that God was working. At least he got glimpses of it. The Holy Spirit was with him. The Holy Spirit was with Stephen just as they had prayed. The Holy Spirit was with him, giving, giving him words to speak, giving him the courage that they had prayed for to stand, giving him a heart of love and compassion, even in the end for the men who were stoning him. And even better that day, Stephen stood with Jesus. And that day he heard Jesus call his name. And that day he basked in the radiating glory of God the Father. He was working all things together for good. And, and, and as we'll see as the story of Acts continues, God was working even in Stephen's death to the good of the world. And it is a beautiful thing. His death and the increasing persecution that, that would come against the church would cause many of the new believers who had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Remember, that's where we started the book, the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, people from all over the world had come and they, they were staying in Jerusalem and everybody was sharing what they had so that everyone could stay there and they were giving them places to live, food to eat, so together they could learn all about Jesus this, this increasing persecution would send them away. This increasing persecution would, would send them away from Jerusalem to their, to their homes. What homes? The, the homes that they had left in, in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And, and, and when they went... When they left and they went back to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, every believer carried with them the incredible story of the God who pursued his people by sending his son, Jesus. Ultimately, Stephen's death would be for our good. How incredible is that? Now, here's where I want to close. I said already, I don't think that Stephen was finished with his defense. I, I think that Stephen had more to say, and he was interrupted. And, and I think that if he could have finished, maybe, maybe, if he could have finished, I, I imagine him finishing with, with something like this. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, the, the law, the temple, I know them all, and they are amazing, but Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than, than, than Abraham. In fact, Jesus is the better Abraham, who also left the safety and comfort of home in faithful obedience to the Father. Only Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father on the way, and Jesus made a way for, for a forever kingdom far greater than Israel and its meager borders. Abraham believed. Abraham believed, right? And we, we celebrate it. Abraham believed, and his faith was counted as his righteousness. What a beautiful thing. But Jesus, 
Jesus offers his perfect righteousness to all who believe in him. Jesus is the better Abraham. Jesus is the better Joseph. Joseph would flee from sin and and Potiphar's wife. Jesus would bear the sins of the earth on the cross. Joseph would suffer to eventually save his father and his brothers. Jesus would suffer to redeem the world and save all who trust in him. Joseph's relationship with the king of Egypt would lead to the, to the bondage of his people. Jesus' Jesus's relationship to the king of kings will free his people from all of their bondage as he has defeated death and sin and Satan through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus is the better Joseph. Jesus is the better Moses who obeyed perfectly, leading God's people out of their bondage and not just to a land that, that, that they couldn't even be delivered in. Jesus will lead the children of God into the true forever promised land, a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus will restore everything to, to what was intended before sin entered the world. All of creation will be set free from the bondage of sin and every curse of sin will be reversed by him. He will lead his people into a land without sin, sorrow, suffering, and we will be with him forevermore. Jesus is also the better temple. The Old Testament temple was God's dwelling place with men, but but not just any man or woman could enter into the, the holy of holies and the presence of God. Only once a year could one person enter into the holy of holies, the high priest, and then only after he had made sacrifice for his own sins and, and, and his sins been cleansed could he enter into the holy of holies one day. One day out of the year, he could enter into the presence of God to make atonement through sacrifice for God's people. But Jesus came. God with us, Emmanuel. God to be with us. God to be with his people. God came to dwell with us. And now all who believe in his perfect sacrifice, he invites us, all of us who believe in his life, death, and resurrection, he invites us to come boldly with him to the very throne of God and make our requests known to him. The Holy of Holies is opened up because of Jesus to every believer. Unlike the old temple where the high priest only entered once a year to make a plea for God's people daily, Jesus pleads for us, Hebrews chapter 4. Daily, daily he pleads for us. Even greater, and we talked about this in our last sermon series Jesus not only invites us into his presence, Romans 8, 34, even greater, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And the promise is that God will be with us through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, every single believer, until the day of our redemption when we see him face to face. And this Jesus, I think Stephen would say, And this Jesus who you killed, God raised from the dead. And in him, just as the the Father promised, there is redemption from sin. There is freedom from its power and there is restoration forevermore. 
I think that Stephen would end by saying, repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He is better than Abraham, better than Joseph, better than Moses, better even than the temple. And for Stephen, Jesus was better than anything else. Better than his reputation, better even than his life here. Stephen believed that Jesus was better. Listen to me. Stephen truly believed that Jesus was better. I don't mean that he nodded his head in agreement, oh yeah, Jesus is better. I don't mean that he gave mental assent to, oh yeah, Jesus is better. I mean that Stephen truly believed that Jesus is better. Better than life itself. Better than anything that this world has to offer. Jesus is better. And that belief changed everything for him. It changed who he was. It changed what he did. It even changed how he would respond to the attacks of the religious leaders, even as they took his life. And as we will see, God would use Stephen's faith, his belief in Jesus. He would use these terrible events, the persecution that follows, to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. Unbeliever here this morning. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And he has provided for you and, and, and your forgiveness and your redemption. He has provided for your salvation, the whole reason that he came. You, you, you can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. But he's done it for you. Repent. Repent of your self-righteousness. Repent of thinking that you could do for yourself what you cannot do. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel this morning. Believer who is here this morning. You believe that Jesus forgives and you believe that Jesus saves. Do you really believe that Jesus is better? Let's pray. Father, I think we want to believe. I do. I want to believe. Would you help us with our unbelief? Would you remind us again and again that Jesus truly is better? Would you remind us of the beautiful promises that you have given to us in him? Help us in our unbelief. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.